I was living in Key West and working as a waiter the first time I saw Frank Conroy. Each January, a literary seminar brought two dozen famous writers to the island. Panels featuring them took place in a large auditorium at the community college. On opening day at 9 o'clock in the morning, the year's keynote speaker addressed everyone in attendance. Given that my restaurant shift ended sometime after midnight, and I invariably closed the after-deck bar several hours later, 9 a.m. had a middle-of-the-night feel to me. The bar's wooden planks, white tables, and white chairs were suspended several feet above the Atlantic's shallow inlet and overlooked what, as a young writer, I knew to be Sam Lawrence's house. As an editor, he'd published Kurt Vonnegut, Tim O'Brien, and Thomas McGuane, idols to me at the time. Occasionally, I'd spot a cocktail party underway on his deck and wonder who was there sipping a scotch, and if, someday, I might be one of them. When my alarm rang at 8.30, I rose, splashed water on my face, brushed my teeth, then biked across the island from the clapboard house where I lived to the hall where Frank Conroy was scheduled to speak. I took a seat in the dim balcony, far from the stage. I'd been writing for more than a decade, and during the past year, my first stories had found homes in nationally respected literary journals. Nevertheless, the chasm between the podium and myself seemed unbridgeable. It was as if the writers who would occupy the stage's empty chairs had pierced the literary dimension in space-time and had returned simply to pass along wisdom, be applauded, and collect an honorarium. I feared that I would never join their ranks. I'd grown up in a bookless house, raised by a father who'd quit school after the eighth grade and mocked the novels I toted to the mediocre junior college in New York that had granted me admission. And although I'd managed two successful businesses in Manhattan, one of which sold expensive stationery, the other housewares and antiques, before my wife Jody and I moved to Key West two years earlier, I'd felt condemned to lead a waiter's life, not a writer's. That my station would climb no higher seemed apparent. Each winter, during high season, town was packed with tourists, and a job's relentless, exhausting labor made composing an aesthetically coherent sentence, one with the rhythm, tempo, and music of a distinctive voice, as impossible for me as it was impossible for a physicist to snatch an electron from space while it orbited the nucleus of an atom. Clearly, I needed to change my life, but I didn't know what life would replace the one I'd created. Like a novelist who never outlines a book, I'd never plotted my future. Instead, I trusted my intuition. Sometimes the results were good, other times disastrous. Only one constant existed, I wrote. Writing was my center of gravity. If I quit, I'd implode. All my notebooks would become worthless. All my unfinished drafts orphaned. The million words I'd written, however, insisted that I not give up. And since I couldn't allow my doubt to overwhelm my work, at times I needed to glimpse the life I'd envisioned for myself. So I went to hear Frank Conroy speak.